Hey, I'm Steve Fallon. Thanks for downloading this time what it's like being freelance for strategist Louisa Heinrich. One of the most productive things that anyone can do when they go out on their own is work out what it is that sets you off. What are the things that you are most prone to fearing? What are the things that make you panic? And then find ways to mitigate those. If it's financials that worry you, find ways to plan your financials better. If it's feedback that you're worried about, find really structured ways to gather, solicit and process that feedback. If it's getting things wrong that you're worried about, find yourself a buddy or a mentor or somebody to review work with. There are ways to mitigate whatever it is that sets you off and that's the most important thing I think is, is staying as even as you can. Yeah, hey, how you doing? Welcome to another one. So this time, what it's like being freelance for Louisa Heinrich, one of many guests that I speak to at beingfreelance.com. If you enjoy this, please do subscribe so you don't miss any on Stitcher and iTunes. Join us on Twitter and tell people about it. Please spread the word. Anyway, let's crack on and chat to Louisa, who is a strategist, speaker, designer and instigator. Hey, Louisa. Hiya, how you doing? I'm good. That's such a wonderful. Those four things are great. On a strategist, speaker, designer, instigator. Um, we'll we'll come to everything that you kind of do, but it would be great to get started with how you got started being freelance because you've had uh, a, a, an impressive career to to get to where you are and what you're doing. Okay. Well, um, I've been freelance a few times in my life, and this time, uh, I I would say sort of, I would classify myself not necessarily as freelance solely but as uh, the founder of a company so I do bring together lots of different people to do stuff from time to time but it is primarily me and I do do solo engagements so I suppose I still am. Um, This particular time around what was important to me was that I was seeing sort of systemic problems across the industries that I worked in namely technology the intersection of technology business and design people. I didn't think that these problems can be addressed from within a particular agency or within a particular corporate or even within a particular startup. I feel like they need to be attacked from many different fronts at once. And uh, being on my own, being able to choose my own work and the things that I engage with gives me the freedom to do those things uh, and to kind of focus on what I think is important and find my own balance between that and bringing the money in. So that's kind of the rationale for not having joined up with a larger enterprise this time around. So where did your career begin? Ha <laughs> ha. Sorry. Uh, which, career do, which career would you like to talk about? <laughs> so, okay, well, let's presume you left college or uni or whatever it might have been. The, the sort, I guess the whistle-stop tour that has built up all the experience you've got to, 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 be, able to be able to consult and f- figure things out in the way that you do. Well, um, I, I suppose what's relevant is that I, I started, uh, I actually, I finished uni in, in 1992 and I studied nothing that had anything directly to do with technology or design. Um, I studied theatre and anthropology, actually. But uh, I sort of fell into the uh, the interactive world, the digital world, in about 1997 um, when I found myself at a loose end career-wise, the career that I've been in, uh, wasn't taking me where I wanted to go. And uh, I went off and did a freelance writing gig for a, well, at the time they were called multimedia companies. And uh, within a couple of weeks, they'd offered me a job and I'd taken it. And so that was what sort of began. I was, uh, which means I was in at the beginning of this whole consumer facing digital 
thing that we're still in now. And uh, back then we kind of made everything up as we went along because nobody knew what they were doing. And um, yeah, I suppose as the field evolved and we were able to sort of focus our efforts, each of us individually on, on what we were most interested in, I always gravitated toward how things work and why they work the way that they do and, and what they do for the world. And so I found myself moving on into information architecture, interaction design, and then eventually creative direction during the first dot-com boom. And uh, obviously when that all fell apart, it was a bit disheartening and I took some time off. And uh, when I came back, I went to work for the BBC. And I can't think of a sort of worthier reason to return to the digital world, which I had sworn that I was never going to go back to. And, uh, and from there, it sort of progressed to now. And uh, what that means essentially is that I'm, I'm, my career has been interestingly shaped. I've worked in agencies, I've worked on client side, I've worked in very small teams, I've worked in massive organizations, I've worked on all kinds of projects. And also, I think probably most importantly, um, I was part of that first movement of us that literally had to figure it out as we went. There were no tools or methods that were accepted. And I think that my colleagues from that era and I have, have in common this I wouldn't say that we're more resourceful than others. It's just that we're probably slightly more, f- more more fearless about finding new ways to do things just because we're used to it. So it was a relatively fearless decision to leave the agency or whatever you may have been at the time and go freelance as a consultant. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say I was without fear. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess to me, there's, there's pluses and minuses to everything. On the, one, on the one hand, being in an agency environment, my last job was, uh, was as head of strategy for um, the group head of strategy for Fjord, which is an international service design agency. And, uh, and I suppose there's, there's stuff to be afraid of sticking in an agency for a long time, as well as stuff to be afraid of leaving it. Um, staying for too long can mean you stagnate, you stop developing new ways of doing things, you get set in your methods and tools. And uh, yeah, it can it can lead to a different kind of um, stasis. So you left the agency and you went freelance. Now, how long did you go just as yourself before you set about setting up a company? Not at all, actually. This time I started the company straight away. And what made you do that then? What what were the pluses and minuses if people were, you know, in a similar situation? What did what what led you to superhuman, isn't it? Yep, it is. Um so the part of it is actually for my own benefit to remind me of why I'm doing this and keep my head on straight. Uh the the company's called Superhuman, not because I fancy myself superhuman, because that would be pretentious and horrible. <laughs> but uh but rather because uh I genuinely think that technology could give us all superpowers, but only if we apply it correctly and we do that by putting people first and not the technology first and not the money first. I'm not saying that commercials don't matter and I'm certainly not saying that technology isn't important, but I think that people are the heart of the system and that's where our focus needs to be. So part of it is a, is a statement on what I believe in and a philosophy and that helps me, as I say, keep my own head on straight, but it also kind of gives me a platform for communicating to prospective clients. So I I kind of walk in the door with an opinion. I walk in the door with a way of doing things or a way of going about things. 
at the at the very topmost or foundational level, whichever way you want to look at these things, and uh, and that does help me, um, I suppose, market myself or distribute distribute information on who we are and what we do, and it also helps to uh, to make decisions about what what to engage with and what to leave aside. So having an actual company name and brand and everything allows you to be more focused when approaching clients. Yes, and it also. From the other perspective, it also helps clients to differentiate between me and you know whoever else is out there. It's uh, yeah, it, it it does it does sort of convey a philosophy and a way of doing things more readily than just a person with a CV, no matter how great that CV is. And does it also, I suppose, open up the opportunity to take on more work than possibly you might be able to take on, or develop products? for example, that it might seem odd that a person sold, but a company, that's fine. Is that part of it? Or? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it, obviously the, the, the legal and financial framework makes it super straightforward for me to put together. Uh, one of my clients once said that I put together heist teams. So it's kind of like we're running some sort of complicated art theft ring. <laughs> uh, no, not that I would ever steal art, police, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> but we do, uh, it, it lets me put together teams quite quickly. I don't have to go through a big, long process of, you know, contracting and all that stuff, which enables me to move fast. Um, and yes, it's true. It, it, uh, I, I suppose some kinds of work, some kinds of engagements are easier to enter into as a company than as an individual, especially some of my side projects at the moment. Well, they're not really side projects, they're projects. Um, involve trying to go up for government funding etc which is virtually impossible to get as a freelance i see whereas p portray yourself as a company well you are a company but you know what i mean i if do yeah the the face is a company then it's it's bigger it's easier to go for those bigger organizations doesn't get much bigger than a government really no it doesn't and and it's also i mean it's again it's also about what you're able to do I, and I mean, you said I, I'm able to take on stuff that's more work than a single person could do, but it's also about being able to collaborate with the right people at the right time and uh, and make things that, sure, might be based on an idea that I had, but uh, but it takes a lot more than an idea to get things going. And incubating ideas within a small company, I find a lot easier than incubating ideas uh, either solo as a part of a network of people or within a massive organization. So when it comes to collaborating and bringing people to work as part of Superhuman Limited, where do those people come from? Is it people you've collected almost along the way or do people approach you? Uh, both, but mostly the former. I suppose it's all a pay it forward, pay it back structure that we all work on. Over the years, I've gone to know lots of people who are quite brilliant at what they do. And, uh, and so when we need one another's help or expertise, we approach one another. And when we need help or expertise that another person can't provide, then we pass each other on to our next circle. So uh, it's usually colleagues, former colleagues, or colleagues of theirs. It's all very strongly reputation-based. I mean, uh, in my circles, referring someone for a piece of work, you might as well be applying yourself. Your own reputation goes with it. So it's all taken quite seriously but it's also quite nice because there's a lot of trust in the network 
do you consciously keep that network like do you have to put a lot of effort into keeping that network going is it all via linkedin or do you have a you know a method to it or does it just happen alcohol (laughs) (laughs) is it like do you deliberately meet up with past colleagues and you know keep keep that going for sure yeah i mean not not as often as i'd like to in some cases but yeah just a couple of weeks ago um about uh, several of us i think about 12 or 15 of us turned up. Um, we all used to work together at various places over the years and we all just met up at a bar and had loads of drinks and caught up on what's going on with everybody. And out of that came a couple of people who were looking for work, a couple of people who might have work. Um, yeah, I think, uh, I mean, fortunately, the people that I have found the most fabulous to work with are also people I get on with personally. And so maintaining the core of my network is very much uh, an easy and pleasant sort of set of events. Trying to keep track of everyone is virtually impossible. So uh, I don't know, I suppose I tend to see things as all networks are composed of nodes and I know the people that I most enjoy spending time with. And so I just make sure that I spend time with them and keep caught up with them and then they keep caught up with the other dozen people that they really like spending time with and so on and so forth and that way even if I haven't personally seen somebody in three or four years there's still sort of a a connection. Mm. You mentioned side projects and then corrected yourself but that kind of suggests that maybe you've been doing side projects through the years that have perhaps pointed you in the direction of what you do now. Yeah um I suppose it's been more like I've wanted to do side projects. I've had ideas and then, you know, when I was when I was working for someone else, didn't wasn't able to create enough space for myself to really pursue those projects. Um I have a tendency to sort of throw myself wholeheartedly and completely into whatever whatever job I'm doing and therefore have always had a hard time carving out space to pursue personal things on the side. So, uh, you know, that's part of the benefit, I suppose, of having my own company is that I can, I, know, I don't have to call them side projects anymore. And in fact, I shouldn't because calling it a side project implies that there's other things that are more important. How, how do you go about marketing yourself now? Like, do you split time between marketing the company and marketing Louisa Heinrich? How how do you go about finding clients and putting yourself out there? Uh, I think most people who hear of the company, uh, well, most people who know about the company know that I'm the head of it. And so my own personal brand and my own experience does a lot of the marketing for the company. Um, a lot of it is through the public speaking that I do, uh, some of which is paid for and some of which I do for free. Um, I tend to carefully select the places where I speak. And I use those as opportunities to get ideas out on the table and ways ways of addressing some of the issues that people are solving. And I, I often find that I make connections off the back of those talks that even if they don't become business immediately, do become business further down the line. Um, I'm also actually in the process of there, there'll be a, there'll be a new line of business launching for Superhuman in the autumn. And what that essentially is is I suppose productizing a particular kind of consulting engagement that I've been doing rather a lot of over the last few years. And I've, I've identified a pattern there that I think, uh, I think could appeal to a much broader audience than it has today. And I think I've discovered a way to package that, um, that's cost effective for people and that will sort of broaden 
uh, my audience on that front. And it will act as a revenue generator and also as a sort of an entry level engagement from which more engagements can spring. Interesting. So it's it's recognizing something which has come up again and again and again and thinking, well, in that case, maybe I should make this an obvious thing that I offer. Absolutely. I mean, I think uh, that's sort of a natural tendency of mine anyways, to spot patterns. It's the it's at the core of all of those things that I do, the the strategic work and the design work and the innovation work and the you know turning over tables work. Um the idea there is to is to see what's happening in the world, identify the patterns, and see what you can do about them for better for better or for worse. And uh, I think that that's an important thing that anyone who works in our domain needs to be able to do for themselves, because that's one thing that you miss when you're not working for a larger team. Uh, you don't you don't have the sort of ongoing development of methods and ways of working and things like that. And so working on your own all the time, and I'm guilty of this as well it's easy to kind of get stuck in your ways and to just do the same thing the same way over and over again. Um, and it's also easy to not notice that you're reinventing the wheel on projects. So I think it's an important thing to be able to, uh, to identify patterns and make the most of them or identify negative patterns and, and get yourself to break free of them. I'm also interested, I, I think, don't you work as a mentor? I do, yeah. So how have you found that? What sort of people do you mentor? All sorts, well, all, all sorts within the startup industry and then some outside of that as well on a more informal basis. And have you ever had a mentor throughout your career? <laughs> I uh, I have a few times, Uh to be to be perfectly honest, um, really good management has been a rare thing in my career. Much of what I've learned about being a good manager is uh, has been sort of learning what not to do. But uh, I have had a few very very good mentors, and they have helped me enormously. If only just to be able to see the things that I'm concerned about from a different perspective, or to be able to to be able to feed back to me the things that I'm saying. Uh, from a slightly different point of view, I think that can be hugely, hugely useful. Yeah, it can be difficult when you're going it alone to sort of stay focused. And I mean, a bit like you said earlier about seeing patterns and negative patterns and stuff like that. Yeah. But it sounds like you've, uh, you also mentor yourself. I try. I don't know that I'm, I don't know that I'm the best mentor for myself. I'm not exactly what you call objective. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm also really fortunate in that, uh, I have close friends, uh, some of whom work in related industries, some of whom don't, but we all kind of help each other out. We all sort of support one another and, uh, and that's hugely useful as well. I mean, just to have, just to have people that I can ring up or bribe with a few drinks to run ideas past or to run, you know, actual written words past or design ideas or what have you is, is hugely useful. And that's, that mitigates the sometimes loneliness of, of working on things on your own. Mm. What would you say have been the biggest challenges of being freelance? Well, that, that one right there is the biggest one is the, is the working on your own, especially if I'm doing um, strategic work is sometimes the work that I'm doing is, you know, setting a, or helping to set a path for the future development of a product or a whole string of products. And, I'm looking at what I'm doing and, 
and I'm thinking, my God, the, the recommendations I'm making are going to cost people millions of pounds. And I really hope I'm right. Um, the, the sort of pressure of, yeah, of, of having no one to sometimes no one to sound check your ideas against, um, I, I guess can be difficult. Uh, and also remaining creative and remaining really inventive, uh, when you are sometimes on your own, which is why I try to surround myself with, uh, with like-minded people. Even if we're working on different projects, we can sort of run ideas past each other. And that helps a lot. Do you physically work on your own or do you sometimes seek out like, uh, co-working spaces or whatever? It depends on where I am. I mean, I travel an enormous amount. So, uh, in when I'm when I'm in Berlin, I have homes in Berlin and in London. And uh, when I'm in Berlin, I usually work alone, uh, not all the time, but most of the time. In London, I split my time between working at home, working in co-working spaces, or even cafes sometimes, because I'm I'm out and about quite a lot at meetings and things. And then uh, elsewhere, I often find myself working in hotel rooms, which is like the most impersonal. <laughs> of all places it's like it's like the worst of both worlds you don't have anyone around to sort of i mean even even human presence let alone people to bounce ideas off of and you're also not at home in a comfortable environment but uh but i don't know you you come up with you, you tend to come up with ways of working in whatever environment you you need to be in i suppose you mentioned there about making uh, strategies for companies which could be worth millions of pounds or they're going to spend million like looking at your client list like people like nokia and citibank and ericsson and united airlines you can see how this might add up um do you have insurance in place i have all of the basic kinds of insurance in place um i'm i i'm not sure there is insurance for getting it wrong uh in terms of you know, designing or doing product development strategies and things like that. I, if there is, I would love to know about it. I, I, to be honest, I hadn't really even thought that such a thing might exist. But uh, I think um, it's not so much for me about finding an external company to indemnify me as making sure that the communication with my client is very clear and that I do a really good job of articulating all of the assumptions and all of the, all of the factors that have led me to the conclusions that I've come to. So I, I, I try to be as transparent as I possibly can be with clients so that they understand on what my conclusions are based and therefore, you know, should things end up being slightly different from, from what we'd anticipated, I don't, I haven't just given them one answer. I've given them a framework for moving forward. Cool. Yeah. Is it professional indemnity? Is it that one? Yeah, that's yeah. the that's the one that pretty much everyone requires if you're going to work with a big corporate. So I do have that. But um, oh, so they actually make it a requirement. Um, most most of the big companies, uh, especially yeah. especially if you're working with people like the BBC, um, who have who have lots of less than bureau, bureaucratic frameworks in place, uh, you you do usually need to have. Um, at least some level of identification insurance in order for them to engage with you. Uh, other companies don't care or don't even ask to see it. But um, but yeah, I find that that's another that's another big bonus of being a limited company as opposed to an individual. Is that that's all kind of superhuman limited, although it is near and dear to my heart and it is the primary brand with which I associate. It is still a separate entity to Louisa Heinrich. So 
there there is that level of um i suppose construct which can be very useful yeah so that if people were to sue superhuman they're not it's not suing me. you yeah i mean they yeah, are yeah. but they're not but i love the fact that ultimately you're yeah you're you're communicating so clearly as to to be so transparent ahead of everything else is that are you, are you often working remotely for clients is communication a key thing um i think those are two questions communication is is an absolutely critical thing not just communication but making sure that everybody understands what's happening and what we're trying to do and what the what we think the pathway there is i uh I think it's much more useful for everyone involved to have a set of tools for working with instead of a set of fixed answers. I don't think that I don't think that any project is exactly like any other and I don't think that especially in the world of technology today anything stays the same for very long. So if I come in and I help a company sort out their product strategy, I am making I'm under no illusions that the climate that they're work, going to be working in in 6 months time is going to be exactly the same as it is today. So if I give them some sort of static and fixed answer, then that has an expiration date on it and I don't think that's as useful as having as having again a framework to move forward with so that as things change they can adjust correspondingly and I think that builds trust with clients as well. So that's 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 another angle of the transparency is is clients that I've worked with have told me that they enjoy working with me because I am so transparent about things because I work quite quickly and I don't waste anybody's time as I don't want to waste my time any more than I want to waste theirs um in terms of where I am and whether or not I'm physically in the same location I think that it's usually more expedient to collaborate quite closely as we are shaping the solution the answer to the question whatever it is that we're doing so i'll do up front some research and preparation and that i can do from anywhere and then we work closely together in the same physical environment uh for as long as that is useful and then i go away again usually and do the uh do the final deliverables so i'm i'm physically present whenever it makes sense to be physically present but not just for the sake of being a body in an office. Cool. Oh, okay. Do you know, let's go to the thing we always do, which is where I'm going to ask you to give me three facts about yourself. Two true, one a lie, and I'm going to try and figure out the lie. Okay. So we're going to do, we're going to do fours today. So uh, fact one, I lived on four continents before I was five. <laughs> fact two, I've had four distinct careers. Fact three, I reevaluate my goals every four years. Oh, man. Okay. God, you do like seeing patterns, don't you? You go with four, four, four. <laughs> I was thinking about it this morning while I was making tea. I'm like, hey, hey, that's interesting. So let's see. Which four continents did you live on? Uh, Europe, North America, uh, Asia, and Australia. How come? Were you on the run? What was that about? <laughs> Yes, I was the world's smallest fugitive. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, my uh, my dad was an engineer, and uh, the company that he worked for was in the process of buying up smaller factories around the world, and so they would transfer him from one to the next as uh, as they opened. Wow, that's cool. Okay, four career, so four distinct careers mm, at least. Some people would say there's more than that, but but I, I would say four distinct careers. What are your, what are your four distinct, distinct careers? careers? Um, 
theatre, music, especially production and uh, and promotion, advertising and marketing, and digital design and innovation. And you evaluate your f- goals every four years. What made you choose four? Or has it just worked out that way? It's just worked out that way. You see, these these could all be true. I'm I'm presuming the continents. Why would you make the content continents four careers? I mean, four careers. It certainly seems like you've you've obviously started in theatre. So I'm going to say that's true. So four goals, four year goals, four year goals. I don't think the four year goals is true. You are correct, sir. Yes. <laughs> oh, I'm glad you lived on four continents, though. I wanted that to be true. Yeah, I did. Before I was five, though. I mean, it's it's all you know. My memories of a lot of that are just are fairly impressionistic. But yeah. So, how often do you uh, look at your goals then? Because you seem to be very driven. You ha- ha- do? Do you have a process in place? I no no. I mean, to, if, if I'm if I'm completely honest, the the. My career sometimes seems to me like like it happens sort of on its own and then every now and again I will notice that a change is happening and adjust accordingly. I uh it feels like it feels very organic to me and and maybe that's because maybe it's because I've had a few different careers and I'm not I'm not abjectly terrified to change course. Um but I also think that uh I'm driven by goals that are as much ethical or altruistic or philosophical as they are specific to any particular career or role. And so as the world changes and as as opportunities change, I sort of adjust accordingly. And sometimes those shifts are really incremental. And I will suddenly realize after, I don't know, six months, a year, sometimes two years that, hang on a minute, I'm doing something very different than I was doing two years ago. Is this what I want to be doing? And at that point, I'll assess and sort of tighten things up. And it's it's something like that that's happened quite recently, which is what's leading me to launch this new line of business where I'm productizing part of the consultancy. Um, yeah, it, it was more a, I noticed a pattern in my own career and thought, what should I do about this than, mm. uh, than the other way around? Nice, that nice flexibility yep. that you've got. Um, if you could give your younger self uh, one bit of advice, I guess, about being freelance, what would it be? Don't freak out. <laughs> that should, you could sell that to every freelancer as a poster i, I, like I really yes don't freak out for the love of god don't freak out because you do stupid stupid shit when you freak out it can be really difficult to to stick to your guns and to stick to what what's important to you uh especially when when you go through a slump when things don't go particularly well um i think that having a having something go wrong on a project can be a lot more damaging when you're freelance than when you're working for a bigger company and you've got backup and support. Um, it can be quite easy to kind of psychologically go off the rails a bit and and panic. And then I think we all know that nobody makes good decisions when they're, when they're in a place of panic. I think, uh, you know, over the years, I've developed lots of, sort of tools and techniques for calming myself when things go slightly wrong. And, uh, and I think that, yeah, that's, uh, that's one of the most productive things that anyone can do when they go out on their own is work out what it is that sets you off. What are the things that you are most prone to fearing? What are the things that make you panic? 
and then find ways to mitigate those. Find ways to, if it's, if it's financials that worry you, find ways to plan your financials better so that even if you don't have a lot of money coming in, you can see exactly where it's going to go and that will make you feel better. If it's, uh, if it's feedback that you're worried about, find really structured ways to gather, solicit and process that feedback. If it's getting things wrong that you're worried about, find yourself a, a buddy or a mentor or somebody to review work with. Um, there are ways to mitigate whatever it is that sets you off. And that's the most important thing I think is, is staying as even as you can. Man, that's great. Uh, j- just quickly, when, cause you mentioned feedback there, do you, when it comes to the end of a project with a client, What's that next process? Do you stay in touch with them? Do you, you know, are you saying, hey, can we evaluate how that went, how we could have worked better, whatever? Like, what what happens? Uh, it varies depending on what the piece of work is, but uh, most clients I stay in touch with. I, uh, so I, I, there's always a, some sort of final deliverable. And uh, when that comes through, or when I send that through, um, I always ask, you know, what do you, how do you feel about the deliverable? Are you happy with it? How did you feel about the process? Is there anything that, was there anything that you would like to change if we ever do it again? What went well, what went badly, etc. And, uh, I ask all of those questions before I even send the invoice. And, uh, most of the time I get at least very brief responses. Sometimes I get constructive criticism. Sometimes I get praise. It's all one. And I also solicit feedback on my documentation so that, I, I learn something from every single engagement that I get involved with, even if the only thing I learn is that I don't want to work in that sector anymore, um, which has been the lesson a few times. But yeah, so the feedback loop is really important. And then if if I'm if I do a piece of work for a company that's, for example, planning their sort of long term product development strategy, then I will check in with them about once a quarter and see how things are going. And uh, you know, not. Obviously, I would lo- in a lot of cases, I would love to come back in and help them out some more, but it's also to let them know that I'm still there. And uh, sometimes I will wind up having dinner with a client from a year or two ago that doesn't have any work for me now, but wants to talk about some ideas or what have you. I think, uh, I think it's important to remember that clients are human beings too. And so, you know, the more that I can keep in touch with them on that level, the better. Excellent. Uh, Louisa, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Where can people find out more about you and what you get up to? Well, they can follow me on Twitter. I'm Custom Deluxe. Uh, They can look at my websites. The blog is at louisaheinrich.com, although it's currently on hiatus. And the company website is weareallsuperhuman.com. When you say your blog's on hiatus, in in what way? You've just consciously decisioned to have, have a break or... Uh, I've been having some some personal issues, some health stuff going on, and uh, rather than sort of push myself to pump out words, I thought I would kind of give it a minute to figure out what's happening in my health and personal life, and then go back and do it properly. You see, you're so flexible. This is great. So you're just like, well, no, this is more important. That that can wait. Yeah, but don't think I'm not freaking out about it. I mean... Don't freak out. I've written it down. You said don't freak out. <laughs> yes, I know. But if we all could take our own advice, it's so much... I mean, it's, it, being, being on your own is a constant case of physician heal thyself. I mean, anyone who's ever worked in an agency knows that... Or 
if you think about it for a second, you'll realize that so much of what, when you're in an agency, you tell clients to do, you can't do for yourself as an agency. It's a, it's a disaster. And it's the same as freelance. You know, it's, it's, it's very easy for me to, to tell my mentees and my colleagues and my clients, et cetera, don't freak out. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. But of course I freak out. I'm human. It happens. Uh, Louisa, thanks so much. You can find out, uh, we'll put links and everything that we've talked about, of course, on beingfreelance.com. Go take a look there. Listen to other guests as well. Uh, join us on Twitter at beingfreelance. Uh, but thank you very much, Louisa. Best of luck being freelance. Pleasure, Steve. 